0: Warning! The following podcast may contain explicit language. It will definitely contain heterodoxy, thought crime, and graphic depictions of alcohol use. Rest assured that at the time of recording this episode, all participants had nowhere to drive. The Cocktail Party Congress encourages you to drink and think responsibly. In vino veritas! Liberty is too precious a thing to be buried in books, Ms. Saunders. Men should hold it up in front of them every single day of their lives and say, I'm free to think and to speak. My ancestors couldn't. I can. And my children will.
1: You know, I'm a voter. Aren't you supposed to lie to me and kiss my butt?
0: to the Cocktail Party Congress, the only political discussion podcast to our knowledge with a 3 drink minimum. My name is Dan Caves, and
1: I'm JT Andrews.
0: Ah, well, good to see you again, JT. We're we're ploughing right through this Bill of Rights of ours. I know.
1: It's great. I feel good yeah. about it.
0: Yeah, same here. So, uh, I mean, before we get any further, I did just get a dispatch in from Mahogany Ridge and uh they would like us to report on tonight's featured cocktail
1: yeah it, it this is one of my favorite cocktails of all time this is this is what I drink all the time
0: yeah this is and especially uh, I'm not gonna disclose any more than necessary but uh, once the heat comes your way this is one of the primary like summer drinks in my mind this is uh this is one of those clear crisp beauties that we like to call the gin and tonic. Yeah.
1: I I enjoy drinking this when it's really, really hot out. I also Mm -hmm. enjoy drinking this uh just about any time, really, but more commonly I have it in the summer.
0: Yeah, when the mosquito population is up, so you can protect yourself from all of that malaria.
1: Oh I love quinine.
0: Yeah, and we can get into that after uh after I read out the the recipe here. It's pretty simple drink that you can make uh, it's it's one of the simplest drinks that you can make out there. Uh, all you're gonna need are, uh, I'm gonna say, two ounces of a uh, gin, uh, and you can get creative with the gin. I think you're drinking something quite uh, quite unique compared to what's uh, usually used there.
1: Yeah, I got some I got some pretty uh, nice gin. Shall we say?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, so you're gonna want two ounces of gin, a highball uh, or rocks glass, a lot of ice. And uh, tonic water, and all you have to do is put the gin in the glass, top it off with tonic water, and then garnish with a li- with a wedge of lime, yep. and you've got yourself a gin and tonic. And
1: you can make this any different number of ways, like quantity-wise. Like you can pour yeah. in as much gin as you want. I mean, I've gone to you places. Could. You <laughs> could. Yeah. I've gone to places where it was like ninety percent gin, just a splash a tonic. For yeah. for three bucks, and then I've gone to another place that's like five dollars, and it was the complete opposite. And that bar was a little in,
0: splash of gin and mostly tonic yeah, water. Don't go to yeah. that bar <laughs> unless you have a malaria problem. Yeah, which of oh, course, okay, if you're, yeah, what we're alluding to
1: is yes, yeah, because quinine is actually uh, supposed to to prevent mosquito bites and and whatnot. I'm
0: not sure. Yeah. It, well, the story. Well, the story is that okay. So back in the um, back of the 18th and 19th centuries, the British Army, when it was in campaign in India, specifically, and uh, uh, parts of Africa too, where malaria is prevalent, uh, they were issued tonic water with very high levels of quinine in it, and it was like very different from what we have today. It was uh, extraordinarily bitter. It was like medicinal levels of quinine. And it's a prevented, it, not, not a cure for, it, but a prevention for malaria. And so the origin of the gin and tonic is that the British soldiers would add gin to the supercharged quinine tonic that they were given in order to sweeten it up and made it palatable. So um, maybe there is some still still some medicinal uh, content to what we have today. Well, I know.
1: So. Every tonic water contains at least small amounts of quinine. I do know that. And uh, if you're not partial to limes, you can also do this with lemon. I've had it with uh, both lemon and lime in it, which that's pretty Mm -hmm. good. But uh, tonight I just just have the lime tonight.
0: Another innovation I will just let our listeners know about is, and this will be especially nice in the summertime, I have seen fresh mint added to gin and tonics.
1: That's a good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah I think you, could, you, know, like you can just muddle it in with the ice uh, before you start anything else, and uh, it gives it that little extra ki- that little extra freshness.
1: Hmm. Now, uh, I saw recently uh, you can actually add lemongrass blades as a garnish. Um, really? Yeah.
0: I guess you could technically add anything as a garnish at this point. I mean,
1: yeah, but the, the key ingredients, gin tonic and the quantities which you want, and the garnish of your choice, which typically is lime.
0: Amen. Yeah. Anyway. Drink however you want to drink. That, 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 that that's really the message here.
1: Anyway, what are we what are we talking about tonight?
0: Oh well, we are <laughs> we're continuing on with our discussion of the Bill of Rights and our you know the first ten amendments to the Constitution and our uh, connected responsibilities to those rights. And uh, I well, we did the Second Amendment last time, and so I guess it just naturally follows that we're going to do an entire episode, JT, about. The Third Amendment, you know? Oh, good. What's that one about?
1: Uh, I have it well, right here in front of me. It says No soldier yeah. shall, in time of peace, be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by
0: law. Uh, well, that that is a wellspring of conversation, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we. I think. Yeah. I think we. I think our jest is obvious at this point. Um, the Third Amendment is a very important amendment, and it's one that we we really take for granted, and we never think about. We, but we, like, what kind of responsibility is yeah. tied up with the Third Amendment? Like, we, don't have a strategically important house. Like,
1: <laughs> that's really about it. We have not had to deal with uh, with a foreign power on our soil in you know 200 years Mm uh and even the civil war uh we've really haven't had to use this
0: at all no Um, and you know what good thing too yeah i'm I'm glad that uh, yeah
1: it's it's not foreign or even domestic troops that are killing all of our people
0: yeah we have a bunch of other problems but
1: that's really a lot of other
0: problems yeah Although I will, but before we move on, I will say that uh, one responsibility I can think of for the Third Amendment is to um, not take it for as granted as we do. Because some sometimes when I see talk about reforming the Constitution and uh, reconsidering some of the amendments, I've seen people talk about, well, we can just get rid of the Third Amendment because it's never done us any good. It's like, no, no, no. leave it there. I, yeah, no just, reason to toy with the 3rd amendment will be we will miss it when we need it. Just because <laughs> just because we haven't had to use it in
1: so long like doesn't mean that it shouldn't still exist.
0: Yeah. A- as as is a slogan in some discussions of the 2nd amendment, I would rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it.
1: I'll drink to that.
0: <laughs> Same. Clink to that oh shoot
1: well uh so i think I, that pretty much ends this this episode that end- on our <laughs> no yeah, that, that ends the discussion
0: of the third yeah. amendment but i think we can i think we can get a little more content uh out of what we have coming up uh oh, I think- come on,
1: we got like five minutes of material Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> listeners is that all you need nowadays is it like Answer the poll that we're probably not going to add to this uh, add to this one. But... Jeez, no, Dan, we,
1: we've reduced ourselves to a soundbite.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> 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 what are we doing to ourselves? It's the opposite of our mission here. Well, I suppose we can just move right along to a far more substantial and important amendment to the Constitution, and one that we really need to do some work on bolstering and understanding and all of the other other things that we're getting bad at around our con- Constitution. the Fourth Amendment.
1: This is something that we, I feel like as a culture have lost track of. A lot of people are not aware of, of the the Fourth Amendment's rights that are guaranteed to them by the Constitution and it's also something that because we've sort of not paid attention to it it's something that a lot of uh i would say authority figures have taken advantage of because they know mm-hmm. and understand that people don't necessarily know their rights
0: yeah but yeah this is and well to that point JT just to expand on what you just said there I think that that is the, like, we're getting into the amendments and the rights where it really falls more on what the government does than what we do. Like, the First Amendment, like, we have the right to speak. We have the right to publish. We have the right to assemble. The Second Amendment, you know, the case law has pretty much come down that we have the right to own, you know, firearms. The Third Amendment, you know, that's— that's the first of the like the procedural rights that we get, and the Fourth Amendment is one of the most important of the procedural rights. But the responsibility on our part as citizens is to know our rights under this amendment. And I I suppose I'll I'll read it out uh, before we continue on with the discussion. Uh, so the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution says, "Quote the right of the people to be secure in their persons." Houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. There it is. (laughs) There is the Fourth Amendment, and legally speaking, it is one of the most... Vital to our existence as free citizens, you know
1: it's I've never seen a a more important amendment like outside of the the typical free speech you know freedom of religion and uh, uh freedom of assembly, freedom of the press, right to own firearms, but this really is a a specific guideline as to what the government and government officials are not allowed to do mm-hmm. to a people. But what happens is a, a lot of times is people who don't understand their rights end up waiving their rights. They end up waiving their fourth amendment rights against searches and seizures. And uh, a lot of times you see law enforcement actually taking advantage of this and
0: that's usually the way that they do it yeah, is and, they, and they count some... th- th- they count on people not understanding what what they have the right, right. to and what they don't
1: and they, they utilize tactics that almost assume that people do not understand their rights
0: mm-hmm. I, absolutely and th- this is a problem lo- like on the on the most minute local level between the individual and their local police force but also it's complicated, and I mean, we could we could expand this conversation out orders of magnitude into uh, some of the intelligence-gathering techniques in the War on Terror Very are much so. flagrant. Like, if, if you take away the national security justification, they're flagrant violations of, fourth, of the Fourth Amendment. And if if there's any reform to be had to that, it is going to be to, to bring them more in compliance with the Fourth Amendment. I right. mean—
1: I think one of the yeah, biggest yeah. Uh, in recent days, so re- with the, the, our entry into the war on terror, uh, the very beginnings of this, I think, was the Patriot Act.
0: Yeah, that was the very first um, of, uh, of of the uh, the distort. Oh, I'll just go right out and show my hand: the distortions that, that we've seen over the years.
1: Right, we are yeah. we end up sacrificing our own liberties for the sake of national security. And, Mm -hmm. um, this is where we get into the topic of, uh, unwarranted wiretapping and unwarranted Mm -hmm. surveillance. Uh, General
0: surveillance. uh, Exactly. Uh, Of our, of our movements, you know,
1: not only our movements, but even our own citizens. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to demonstrate that something is, is absolutely necessary and vital to the security of the nation when it's designed to almost circumvent the fourth amendment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, this is, it's definitely a topic that's worth, excuse me, worth exploring. And uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think now, it's a,
1: it's something that a lot of people need to be educated about their own mm-hmm. rights.
0: Yeah. And to that end, JT, I I think that it would be a good idea for us to go through – so the American Civil Liberties Union puts out its own edition of a pocket constitution that includes at the back end of it a a lengthy discussion of uh, knowing your rights – and what to do when you're actually stopped or faced with uh, police power, and you know, it it, it it gives a lot of practical tips for the day-to-day uh, encounters that we might have with law enforcement. And I think that uh, I think I've shared it with you, and maybe we could go through this uh, this section and maybe talk a little bit because it's very. It's quite germane to the idea of, like, your responsibility is to know your rights and your legal rights, especially under the Fourth Amendment. And to, so.
1: and to also understand what demonstrates to uh, law enforcement, what demonstrates probable cause. Uh,
0: this is true. Yeah, yeah, this is true. So, like, for yeah. <laughs>
1: for example, like, if, if you know your rights, don't, you know, don't be confrontational with with an officer of the law because they they will can and will use that as uh, justification for probable cause um, mm-hmm. it's pretty much if you're acting you know even in your language acting violent they can use that against you
0: mm-hmm. oh you'd be surprised so, at what counts as probable cause right. though i mean like Get to know your local laws, especially traffic laws, uh, because I mean you're gonna find some hidden gems in there, I'm sure. Like, for instance, in New York State where I live, uh, it's technically illegal to have like an air freshener hanging from your rearview mirror. To have anything it, it, hanging from your rearview. Yeah, mirror. To, to, to have anything, it's it's an obstruction of your of your you know view through the through the windshield. It's never enforced. Unless the police need probable cause to pull you over, like it, it's something that it's it's sort of in the back burner, and you know it's it, it's something that they'll call upon whenever they find it necessary to have any reason to get you to open your window and you know answer questions. So it, it can be as simple as that. Like if you have an air freshener in New York State, that's you know that's p that that's probable cause. That's PC for. Uh, for a stop right there. It is. And so...
1: For the yeah. record, I don't, I don't hang anything for my rearview mirror. I just don't
0: like it hanging there. No,
1: no <laughs> me neither. Use the one it's, that's sticking uh, the vents. That's...
0: Yeah, same. Hey, same. <laughs> 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 it's... Ah, uh, birds of a feather. flock to flock together, I suppose. I suppose so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you did mention um, not being overly confrontational with the police and... You know, that, that's uh, like one of the first points in this uh, this section that the ACLU provides is uh, think very carefully about your words, your movements, your body language, your emotions. You're probably going to be in like if you are being confronted by the police and they want to and they want to continue on with the encounter, you know, it's going to be a very emotional a, a very emotional moment for you, and it's it's going to be very confusing, and it's going to be tempting to give in to, to I suppose the panic of being faced with someone who has you know institutional authority over you, and no. so uh, arguing with the, with the police is probably not going to be a very, very good idea.
1: Now like, I I will say this: when a cop pulls somebody over, like I can see it from their viewpoint. It's they're pulling over a complete stranger; they don't know who this person is they don't know if this person's armed or not and Mm -hmm. they they can be just as jumpy as you are
0: Um, oh for sure and
1: and that and it's just they're gonna take steps to to defend themselves if they feel that that they are threatened so it's almost like approaching a wild animal i mean you don't 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 try to piss it off like
0: (laughs) yeah it is uh and yeah, like one way I've heard it put before is um, a police officer in this situation might say, "What does a bad guy look like?" You know, right? It's... It it, it could be just as reasonable for for him or her to think that you know maybe I'm, you know, a potential threat. I mean, <laughs> that now this is one of those one of those situations where if if a police officer stops you and it thinks he or she has probable cause to search you, like the indignity that I would feel in that situation because I know that I'm not in any sort of like I'm not a person who routinely breaks the law, and I'm not someone who does anything to that level. But there's like a there's almost like a a a disconnect between our two minds. Like I don't understand in that moment that they don't know. Going, what's going on in my head in that moment
1: right you're a complete you know? stranger to them and it's yeah. um the biggest thing is to be respectful and be courteous um and uh try to commu- just communicate with them just keep your calm uh uh don't don't try to make any jerky body but i mean even reaching into the glove compartment to yeah. gr- do it do so if you have like a a registration or something in the glove compartment wait till the officer gets to the window and asks you for it and then say to them it is in the glove compartment slowly reach over because they don't know if you're about to pull a gun on them i mean they could react Mm -hmm. very very negatively to to a very jerky motion
0: yeah, open communication is really, really key here. Like, don't be afraid, don't be shy about saying, it's in my glove compartment, I'm going to reach over and open it now. I'm reaching in to get, you know. Th- these are things that are very hard to think about when you're under that kind of pressure. Yeah,
1: and, it's hard, but you got to keep yeah. your cool. Keep your
0: cool. Now, something else that I think that we... Now, look at the both of us and just tell me, <laughs> like we're gonna have a very different experience with uh members of law enforcement than than uh you know african americans or any other uh ethnic minority group in this country i mean very true it, it it's and i don't want to be in the position to like lecture to lecture anyone in those communities about like Okay, this is what you should be doing when you encounter the like. Like, yeah. I, I'm. I, I. just want to be very cognizant of that fact that it's like we're we're speaking very generally at this point.
1: We're a couple of thirty year old white guys. I mean, what yeah. what do we really have to say about something that is not yeah. really our issue?
0: Now, well, now I will but say it, to that. I I will say to continue with that point is that I mean. Yes, but also we're first of all we're disseminating what the ACLU feels necessary to to put out. So I'm I'm sure that you know, considering their general leaning in the political realm, they've probably put some due diligence into to making it advice that is not uh, that is not um, what's the term I want to go for here that, that is not insensitive to those to to those differences in worldview. Right, but. I did just want to acknowledge that, that it's, like, when you're a, a generally oppressed person and you're encountered with the police, like, it's going to be extra difficult to, like, not antagonize and to not, like, make a big—to to, 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 to control the emotions under those because you and I are not going to be having any— uh, Likely fatal encounters with the police, but somebody who's African American may very well think that every single encounter is going to have an element of that danger. That's very true. I feel
1: like this is going to be a uh, a really big topic when we come to talking about the issues of like uh, prison reform and, and oh, stuff yeah. for future episodes.
0: Yeah, which I'd love to I, have a guest on for that. That'd be great. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would really enjoy that too. And uh, listeners, that's something we're going to be doing real soon in the future. Is we want to start having having guests on to help us talk about some of these topics because you know there's only so so much that we can we can dish out. We're only know? two guys, two white guys, just drunk, <laughs> <We're> just, like... <laughs> <laughs> we're just a couple, just a couple of a couple of souses, you know. <laughs> Odds are that, like, treat I say, treat everyone (laughs) like they know something that you might want to learn, right? You know, yeah, Yeah, this is good. So, we we
1: love to get differences of opinion, and just you know, marketplace of ideas that's that's what we want America to be,
0: is marketplace of ideas. The marketplace is open. Um, so I I guess maybe back to the point we were just making is maybe part of the justice is if you know people like us started to act as though there was that element of danger in our uh interactions with the, with the police so that we can so, so that we can be as prepared and as you know you know legally like tuned in as as anybody else would need to be right because we can't just take it for granted that the, that the police are going to give us an easy ride and you know it's yeah so, yeah, we uh we can get back to um what we were just talking about before that point. Uh um, being respectful. <laughs> being yeah, be, being generally yeah, and and that's the point is like it can be very difficult and I I I just want to admit that we don't fully, you know, appreciate how difficult it can be to respect law enforcement under these circumstances. Uh but <laughs> That kind of self-control is one of those things that as a, as a functional citizen, uh, we all have to we all have to develop, so yeah it's, uh, it's if,
1: part of that being responsible. It's like yeah. you may feel like it's the adrenalines Russian, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have to be able to almost take control of yourself and t- thus being able to almost take control of the situation. Yeah. so never, never be disrespectful always you mm-hmm. know, be open be courteous uh, and that'll help them cool down as well as yourself and then you can uh, move on from there uh,
0: yeah edgy like edgy citizens make for edgy police officers right. sometimes and you
1: have to remember police officers they're just regular Joe Schmoes too I mean they're Americans too uh, yeah. they're actually people
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah
1: they have feelings, Dan. <laughs> they they do. do.
0: They do. They have feelings and they intend to use them. Right. But yeah, don't. Uh, what, uh, I mean, as uh, just to get to that point, um, even if you – like, okay, so if I were to sum up this advice generally, it is that if you believe that your rights are being violated – it is far easier for you to deal with that possibility after the incident. You, you kind of—like, this is the counterintuitive part of having the Fourth Amendment violated in your situation, is that it's going to be far more difficult for you if you try to resist it in the moment. You just kind of have to let it happen, get a lawyer— who may specialize in something like this and then after the fact you're gonna have a much easier time making that case because there are a lot of things that we do instinctively that can complicate our case along the way so like if you be- even if you believe that you are completely innocent of a of a charge if you're stopped by the police for any reason don't don't resist it's right. like just, don't just resist. Let it happen. Don't- just let it Don't, Yeah, exactly. Making making major complaints on the scene. Uh, if you tell the police that you're gonna file a complaint, like they're gonna making those kinds of threats in the moment is gonna make them uh, far far less uh, cooperative (laughs) if i'm if i'm looking for any other word for that and it it could
1: give them further justification for prefer performing a search on your person of your if you even if you have a laptop computer in your car they might have a right to search that if you end up waiving your rights like through probable cause you know this Mm -hmm. idea of probable cause um so that's why you have to remain calm, and if something happens, if your rights are violated, let it happen, and then take it to court. Don't challenge. Yeah. Don't challenge it right mm-hmm. on the spot. Uh, but make sure you you understand who who the the police officer is. Get their name. Get their badge number. Um, yep. And then move forward from there. But just just let it happen.
0: And then yeah. Take. Right. To,
1: and. You have to deal with it ex post facto.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, take down every piece of information that you can. Like you just mentioned, uh, badge numbers, patrol car numbers. Write down everything that you remember. Do like James Comey. Write <laughs> the moment you get your the, the, the moment you have access to a pad. You write down everything that transpired. If you can find any witnesses to what just transpired, find them. Get their yeah. names and their phone numbers. They may be like that. They may be useful if if it gets to the point where you need your your lawyer. Who by this point you have called. That's a future amendment, but you are guaranteed a lawyer by you know by law. Now uh, you got. Yeah,
1: and, now one thing you got to be careful with in terms of evidence is, in a lot of states, it's actually illegal to record police officer and. Uh, you know, interactions like you, Yeah. in a lot of States, you cannot just start recording on your phone and taking selfies with the officer while this is going on.
0: Uh, yeah. Check your local statutes. If you're going to, if you if you want to do anything right. like that. But yeah,
1: one of the good things that I'm seeing is that a lot more police officers are starting to wear body cams and they, they have to, you know, keep them on whenever they're interacting with, with a suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a good thing, because every single little bit of, you know, recordable evidence uh, just goes towards the uh, uh, goes towards the case, uh, be it, you know, in in defense, in the defense case or the prosecution case in certain mm-hmm. cases. Uh, but it's, it's a, a standing record, like an actual tangible piece of evidence that is that is there, which I'm all for that. Uh, but be careful, really be careful when you you start recording interactions with the police officer, especially if you don't tell them. Now, mm-hmm. if you ask them, it's one thing, because if they say, yes, you can record, then they are giving up uh, their rights. Almost they're waiving their rights and allowing you to record. That's it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. Uh, but typically they no. will say no. Like there are some states that allow you to ask and say and get permission to record. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you're probably going to say no.
0: Oh, yeah. And that that's happened a few times in my city where it's so I believe that in the state of New York, it is legal to record a police officer and, you know, in the course of their duties. But uh, a few years ago when it was a really big, uh, a really big issue. Uh, when it was like a fresh issue. Yeah, there were a few cases where people were, you know, hauled in for pulling out their cell phones and uh, recording police during, during disturbances. And I hope that... I'm sure that they followed this advice in some way because in the end, those cases were thrown away, you know, yeah. because, you know, th- th- they held their tongues, they got their lawyers, and I'm sure that they then challenged it and said, you know what, no, the... The Police Department cannot do that
1: now here's no. a question for you dan i'm not sure if you you sure. have the uh, you might know the answer to this, but uh, I think it varies state by state, but do third parties have the right to record interactions with the police, like if somebody's pulled all over on mm-hmm. the side of the road and a pedestrian on the street starts recording the interaction? I want to know if that is admissible evidence
0: uh that's like for instance in new york state i believe that's allowed like and in this case it was like, like in the case that i was talking about uh it was it was a third party who was record like it, it was like uh, the police were active in a neighborhood and they were doing something and then third parties came up with their cell phones and started recording and then they were they were the ones who were detained and taken in and eventually it was you know it was settled legally that it's like no yeah. The, the police department was in the wrong in doing this. Yeah. You
1: know? Personally I'm like they they violated no crime. All they're doing yeah. is recording.
0: Like Yeah.
1: And uh, you don't need a permit to, to take a selfie every time you walk down the street, do you? Mm-hmm. So why should you no. need a, a permit to or even permission to film an official you know, an official of the law
0: a public official. Exactly. You know,
1: Somebody who's a public, public official
0: in public. The,
1: yeah. And I think a lot more of that action being performed will bring a lot more of our issues to the foreground. It will make them visible. So I, I want to see more recording of police officers, and, and I would like yeah. to see a lot more states legalize it to, to yeah. be able to do this, uh, just between an officer and a
0: suspect. And it's not out of of a hostility towards law enforcement. I just want to make that clear. Right. Like the thing about so like in the last years we've seen a lot of um racially motivated it seems shootings of unarmed civilians by police. And whenever like the, the rhetoric around those tragedies really come it, it sometimes like drifts into the anti law enforcement, but really if Like, we want the best possible law enforcement, and one of the ways that we accomplish that is to hold our law enforcement to the highest possible ethical and legal standard. Like, that's and, and that's not... It's not anti-cop to demand the best of our police, and I think that the, you know, like, the excuse that it's it's a stressful job and you got to give us some leeway, like, that only takes you so far. And, like, we kind of jumped jumped from the fourth amendment to um you know extrajudicial killings <laughs> a- extrajudicial killings uh on you know in like the, the, like the ferguson situation yeah it's in a in really big jump. case a few years ago and but like at the same time like when we're talking about bolstering the fourth amendment and of citizens knowing their rights like we understand that it's a difficult job on the part of the police and like, this is the citizens doing their part in ensuring that we have the best possible law enforcement system. It's, it's to head off, you know, all that motivated, like some of the, uh, the perverse incentives that, you know, the, the necessities of law enforcement sometimes, you know, suggest, but, that's what we're really you know what we're trying to do here is just you know we have a responsibility to make sure that law enforcement does its job too that we do
1: um, yeah. I think the biggest the biggest problem that I have like um, a lot of these issues that come up nowadays that are becoming anti cop, and it's it's unfortunate because it overshadows the actual good cops that that take these rights and they understand that people have these rights and it almost overshadows their, their willingness to do these jobs, uh, their, their mm-hmm. willingness to abide by the law in addition to enforcing it. Um, and I, I think that's, that's a really sad fact of life that we have to deal with now, but at the same mm-hmm. time, we do have to, uh, tackle these issues, uh, of extradition extra judicial killings being at the foreground of one of these almost you know the the police becoming judge jury and executioner read literally you know without a without a warrant without almost without probable cause other than this guy ran away i mean they, they automatically assume that uh this person is armed and dangerous and a lot of times on uh, racial backgrounds, mm. and oh, really? Yeah, yeah. and that—that's an issue we have to correct.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but it's really unfortunate that those issues really overshadow the the good cops, the ones that do play by the rules, that don't, yeah, you know, that don't do, perform these extrajudicial killings. And in fact, some of these cops that call out people, you know, their fellow cops that do this
0: yeah yeah exactly and like and in those situations like what is it what is there really for a good cop to do you know like if you're in a police force that has something like that happen like you're you didn't do it but your options are actually like really limited i mean what, what what can you really do at that point like it's, uh, it's it's just, a tough but, call,
1: but we have is. to have yeah. that that self discipline on both parties. Yeah. You have to have the self discipline yeah. to interact with the police in a non threatening manner, to uh, to really defend yourself by knowing your rights, by being given the mm-hmm. tools to understand your rights, and at the same time, the police have their responsibility to uh, to understand the law and to understand. What a person's rights are Just an mm-hmm. average citizen's rights are And then Respect those rights Yeah you know, And not try to just trick people into, uh, into giving them up
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point point. And to, uh, to build on that A little bit now To get inside the police o- So I, let's say I'm in the mindset Of a police officer who's just pulled Somebody over for like a busted taillight and I get them to open up their window and, like, keep in mind that as citizens, we have an extra responsibility to not, like, that, okay, so, so, so there's a way that there's a way of letting the police know that you know your rights. That's like super aggressive. I'm sure you've heard it before. Like where there's like, I know my rights. You can't do that. Like that's kind of like the, like the opposite of like, of what a citizen should be doing. Like when a police officer is faced with someone who's like, I know my rights. Ah!" Like, and like really (laughs) aggressive about it. Like, this is when the citizen has has more work to do on their part, and so as a police officer, I might be thinking this this fucking guy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Get a load of this like for all right. you know, you just pulled over a sovereign citizen or something.
1: Like, it's like that. oh man, this going oh. going back almost to the uh, the the Second Amendment rights the. Uh, Something yeah. that I want to bring up when we're talked about this, and especially with interactions with police, if you are have a licensed firearm and you are carrying like have a concealed carries' license, you're driving and get pulled over
0: mm-hmm.
1: if I were you and in most cases you most states you actually have to do this, let the mm-hmm. cop know in addition to handing over your driver 's license, hand them your concealed carry license and say. I am licensed to carry a firearm. I am doing so right now. Tell them where it is. Keep your hands on the wheel. Like don't you know? Don't make any jerky motions. Just tell them oh, that yeah. that you are armed right now. Try to get them to be calm because oftentimes if they find out you're armed all of the sudden, they they're they're going to freak out. But just just be yeah. calm and explain to them. Yes, I'm licensed to do this, and I am doing so right now. Uh, just just don't make any jerky movements that that's why they're they're freaked out when you open up the glove compartment all of a sudden, Mm. you know, don't, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, Let them, let them know if you are armed, let them know and say, Hey, uh, let,
0: yeah. Let them know respectfully. And especially like, especially if, if it ever gets to the point where you might get patted down. Yeah. Because they may like, if you're stopped for questioning, that's something that they may very well do. Like it's and if they find a gun before you disclose your legal ownership of it like that could create problems
1: yes that could you know? if they ask you out of the car before you even told them that you're armed that's that's yeah. a bad call on your part uh, yeah. so, so let them know right up front uh, just yeah be,
0: be smart about it because remember everything that you say to the police is Super important, right? Because it, 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 I mean, it's in the Miranda warning. Everything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law if it's necessary to do so. So be
1: be calm, be respectful. Just keep your cool.
0: A mishandled encounter like that could, at best, end in your arrest. And I mean, we've seen like, I, I mean, I I'm taking it back to the to the racially motivated shootings. I mean, there was one. Last year, or a year or two ago, uh, I feel you know. To my super to to my super left wing friends, I'm sorry I don't remember names and specific incidences, but they so many of them blur together. You know, similar to the school shootings, but like that's really
1: unfortunate. It is, is.
0: yeah. Uh, But but there was one like one very prominent instance of that where the young man who was killed basically did that in the most respectful way that I recall because it was recorded, too. And, it, it like, he basically did that. Like, he went through the same, you know, he went through that respectful informing of the police officer that, you know, I'm a licensed carry, and I, I'm currently armed right now. And the police still took it as a threat. And something went wrong in that encounter and I can't put my finger on it that, you know, ended in in the young man's death. And, you know, it's, it's just, it just undercuts the, the importance of, I don't even, I don't even know how to figure that, how how to finish that sentence. Like, I I just lost the thought along the way. It's It's like, it's just so unthinkable. That is a,
1: it's a travesty of justice. 100% a travesty of justice. Instead of them bringing this guy in for a suspected crime and then them battling it out in court, they just choose to kill him right on the spot because they felt threatened. Yeah. I mean, if the guy was respectful, the guy's saying, Hey, I am licensed to do this. You know, I'm licensed to have a firearm. He does not deserve to die right on the spot just for Mm -hmm. exercising his second amendment rights. Uh, And it's, it's a really, it's really hard because once again, it does overshadow the the good cops. There are good cops out there, believe it or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But this is definitely an issue that is not, these are not isolated incidents. These have happened no. a lot. And I think nowadays we're starting to see a lot more just, I, I think they've always been there, but we're seeing them brought to the foreground. We're, they're becoming public. Yeah. Uh, before, a, lo- and- a lot of times, I don't think that these were publicized as much. That they, It was almost seen as a, a non-issue or they would be sort of swept under the rug that you wouldn't really hear about them. But now, thanks to uh, digital technology and everybody's got a camera on their cell phone mm. and people are recording these, uh, we're seeing a lot more of them. And it's a problem, I think, that's always existed, but now it's public and it's an yeah. issue we have to address.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true, I think. And, you know, it's it's a reminder that for for some people, a violation of their 4th Amendment rights could be a fatal violation. It's 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 hard for us to think about, but it's something that's out there. It's but, it's very true. So, let's say that everything has gone your way you have been i mean not everything has gone your way and that you haven't just had a a severely negative encounter with the police but you know you were taken in on you know under false pretenses or whatever situation and you know you've had your rights violated but you've gotten your lawyer you've done everything what are you to do if you feel that your rights have been violated well the aclu advises you to you know what? It might seem kind of uh, kind of a moot point that you're reporting the police to the police. But still, r- file a written complaint with the Internal Affairs Division or uh, if they have a civilian complaint board. Because you know, it's it's documentation. And I think that's something that, like, that's something I'm going to be learning a lot more about legally is, like, the more that you document things along the way, even if it seems like a moot point, at the time it's something that you're going to have when you have your day in court because that's when the real um redress of you know grievances against violations of rights is going to happen is when you when you get your case to a courthouse and you know a judge gets to hear it and once you're bringing it to a member of the judiciary hopefully your uh, your fortunes will change but as far as your your negative interactions to the police department don't don't feel shy about reporting it to the internal affairs or uh, civilian complaint boards. Yeah, you know?
1: right. I mean, yeah. once you're in custody and you're in the police station, and all your stuff has been searched already. I mean, go for it. Like th- that is the time yeah. when you really get to to the meat of the issue, saying that yes, yes. my rights were violated. Yes, I was respectful in all these cases. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I did all the things that I should have done. I exercised my Fourth Amendment rights and this person did, uh, violated my constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and call them out for it and do yeah. so legally in the courtroom and do it publicly like so people understand this.
0: Yeah. And get yourself a really good lawyer. Yeah, that,
1: that's very true. Try to get a, that's the good. best lawyer you can, uh, yeah. which, which is tough. And I know the Public Defender's Office is not the greatest. Uh, yeah. That's and another that, issue.
0: That's a totally other issue, uh, and now uh, one of the most important parts of uh, responsibly understanding the Fourth Amendment for a citizen is under what circumstances are searches uh, authorized? And I just, I, I just want to say that one of my favorite uh, home, ac- like home decor accents that I've seen is a it's a welcome mat. That just says get a warrant, <laughs> <That's great. laughs> which pretty much sums it up. Yeah, you don't like you ever, under ever... most circumstances. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, under most circumstances, you do not have to consent to a search. And if they say they have a search warrant, you better ask to see that thing, and it better have a judge's signature to it. That
1: it must. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the uh, the Fourth Amendment underwear that they have? What it does is no, it it, it no. shows up uh, when you go to the airport and go through TSA. it actually shows up in their body scanners <laughs> like you oh
0: <laughs> yes, I have yeah
1: seen that. It, it, it's pretty great. I don't know who sells it, but I would love to get a pair of that when I go next time I go to the airport.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh no, an accessory to that that I found uh, uh that I've heard of is uh it's it's a little metal like it's a it's the size of a playing card, and it's a little metal slab that has the fourth amendment etched into it so that if you go through the metal detector at the airport and they demand to know you know what's sitting off the thing you can take it out of your pocket and say oh that's just my fourth amendment right here why don't you take my fourth amendment rights why don't you, like <laughs> so, so you can make a big show to the tsa of like here here no please have my rights have my rights please please yeah it's it's a little like (laughs) and it's thanks to the patriot
1: that's what we've got now
0: yeah pretty much
1: i mean and just the bolstering of the the tsa after you know in the wake of 9-11 but
0: yeah september 11th has really provided a, a serious distortion to like that has been one of the biggest threats to the fourth amendment in recent like in recent times and
1: that's how you, you know. that's how you let the terrorists win as soon as they do something you change your way of life that's yeah. how you get the, you have officially been scared enough to change your the way you do things because of them that's when you let oh. the, that is when you let the terrorists win so i say don't let the terrorists win <laughs>
0: <laughs> continue living your life as though they didn't oh uh... Yeah. didn't perform. Oh my keep God. your
1: keep going. Just keep going yeah. at it. And like nothing ever happened. Grieve those that we lost, but don't change your way of life because that is the biggest middle finger that you could possibly give the terrorists.
0: Yeah. Keep calm and carry on. I'll drink to that. Same. Mm. Oh, what was it? I just think I was just thinking about, um, I lost it. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> yep. I'm not I'm not even going to waste any more airtime trying to find it again.
1: <laughs>
0: oh boy. So if you're stopped in your car, uh upon request you are required to offer your driver's license, your uh registration and in many jurisdictions a proof of insurance, but other than that you don't have to answer any questions if you are detained or arrested. Um, however, sometimes you might have to give your name. Uh, th- like, that's, that's something you might have to do. Uh, and, you know, if anybody tries to search your effects, uh, if they claim to have probable cause, like, l- let's take a common situation that uh, people might might run into. Let's say that a police officer pulls you over for a busted taillight and they claim that they... like They claim that they smell marijuana. You know? They smell something. That's like mm-hmm. a very subjective thing to do, but that, that can count as probable cause. So, uh, JT, do you have any thoughts about what somebody should do under those circumstances?
1: If you know they're going to search your car uh, based upon that, and... If, if you're not a, even a marijuana smoker and uh, they say they smell marijuana in your car, you can say there is, you know, there's no marijuana in this vehicle and I, I decline, you know, try to say that you do not approve of a search, any searches of the vehicle, you know, be, mm-hmm. be very calm about it. and be very, be very respectful. This will help you later on in your case. If they're going to search your car, they're going to search it. Uh, yeah. and they could find nothing they could find marijuana in there but you know
0: yeah you
1: keep your cool and uh you'll have to figure it out in court
0: um, yeah as as long as you're making it clear that you don't consent to the search
1: yeah because it make it very clear it's like yeah, yeah I, I do not consent to this
0: search yeah and um Keep in mind that it is not lawful for the police generally to arrest you for simply refusing to consent to a search like that itself is not grounds for arrest. Even if they even if they threaten it, that's the thing. It's they're going to threaten a lot of things. I
1: I think the only case in which that's legal to do is if they suspect you of driving under the influence and then you refuse
0: a breathalyzer test. Uh, it could be. It could be. Because uh, I, I
1: know uh, New York is like that. Um, mm. I've heard of people getting arrested for re- decline. Like you're automatically arrested if yeah. you decline a, a breathalyzer.
0: Yeah, it, Yeah. that's going to depend on your jurisdiction, I'm sure. Yeah, it does vary. Um, and, and, to say. Yeah, and the ACLU does advise in this document that if you're suspected of uh, uh, driving while intoxicated and you refuse a test like that, um, yeah, you may be, uh, arrested, but also your driver's license may be suspended for that, for the fact that you refuse to take, a, a t- uh, take a detection test. So, um,
1: now mind you, there are some instances yeah. where, um, where I grew up, it was a single stoplight town and there were two roads to get <laughs> into town, right? Yeah. You can come in from one of two directions and that's it. Uh, but at one point the police barricaded both ends of town and they set hmm. up uh, DUI checkpoints at these yeah. sections and I said well I think that that a- actually violates the fourth the Fourth Amendment It's like they are uh, they're they say it's rent they're checking literally everybody for a DUI at, at hmm. these checkpoints which means that, Uh, It doesn't matter whether you did anything or not. You could be stone cold sober, but you're still being subjected to these field sobriety tests or uh, Hmm. a a check. And there's like if you live in that town, there's no way to get get home without going through this, Uh, which I think does violate the Fourth Amendment and a person's right to not be searched. I mean, you, you could be stone-cold sober trying to go home, but you, the police now are checking you and checking your vehicle for d, for potentially driving under intoxication, driving hmm. under the influence.
0: I never thought of that. Yeah, I've never thought of like the constitutionality of uh, uh, DWI checkpoints.
1: Yeah, it, it's, um, it's very much like, a possibility. Do I think that yeah. they make our neighborhood safer? Maybe. I like, I certainly mm-hmm. think so. And, and if I was stone cold sober, yeah, I'd be glad to waive my rights uh, in that instance. But at the same time, it still is a, I think, a violation of those rights. Hmm. If somebody is not as, you know, uh, uh, easygoing as, as I, I would be in that case, uh, if they objected to it, they could be hauled off to prison for not even doing anything.
0: Yeah, uh, and then check won- in court. You know, I wonder what kind of case law there is around that. Like, I know that those checkpoints are common around drinking heavy holidays. So, like yeah. New Year's, New like Year's, Fourth New- of July, uh, New Year's, Fourth of July, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah.
1: Don- yeah. Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no, no. I'll, I will. Oh, oh no, I will let that one stew in the past but oh, I know that they're stew usually indeed. tied <laughs> stewed. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I, I know that those are usually confined to those holidays usually. So I wonder if there's any, like maybe they count that as probable cause, uh, like maybe like a main thoroughfare from an area that has a lot of bars. I don't know. Yeah. That's it's... worth thinking about. I mean, yeah, the not... constitutionality of, uh, of D.W. checkpoints, D- especially
1: DWI when checkpoints. you're you're literally blockading an entire town.
0: Yeah, that's that's entirely true too. Is like this isn't just like one route. Like th- th- this is the entire town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being shut down. Desi, what kind
1: of town I grew up in? Woo! And so, wow, yeah, man.
0: <laughs> the local pastor band dancing too. <laughs>
1: Anyway, um, these these are your rights. These are your rights. <laughs> Everybody who's listening, these are your rights. Uh,
0: so, if you're arrested or taken to a police station, let's talk a little bit about what uh, what you should what the ACLU advises us to do under those circumstances. Don't
1: say anything. Uh, Wait for your lawyer to show up.
0: Yep, get yourself a lawyer, uh, and. Um, Within a reasonable time after your arrest or your booking, you do have the right to make a local phone call. Uh, and if it's with a lawyer, they the police have no right to listen to the call. So you better be calling yourself a lawyer at that point. That's right. Um, yeah. It, Don't give right. it. Uh, yeah.
1: Attorney-client confidentiality is a real thing. It, it, does it is a
0: real thing. It is a real thing, even even if the president thinks he can form it with a co conspirator and think he's in the clear.
1: That's the only case I think when it's actually ill like it's illegal. If the if the yeah. attorney and the client are conspiring to perform a crime, that is one of the very rare instances in which current attorney client privilege does not exist.
0: Yeah. Like by, by so case it- law. Listeners, if you're just catching up, uh, we're recording this uh, shortly after we found out that the one of the president's main lawyers, uh, Michael Cohen, is currently under criminal investigation like, uh, for a multitude of things, like Hong uh,
1: Kong no shitter under investi- under criminal investigation. Yeah,
0: not yeah, just for, hey, he,
1: we're we're looking into it. No, criminal investigation were the words that were used.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it it all kind of ties back to what the president am I don't have my golf clicker out so I'm not going to say his name. Uh <laughs> <laughs> what the president uh, has been up to and you know his his capacity as uh one of the president's uh, lawyers at the Trump organization. God damn it, I had to do it. <laughs> but, yes. But
1: um now, this is, this is not to say form. that they don't have rights, but it's just no, any relationship no. that they had between themselves is now, uh, because they're looking into potential crime, they now yeah. no longer are under that umbrella of attorney-client privilege. So yeah. anything that was kept between them is now subject to the law and subject to yeah. law enforcement.
0: Um, and just to clarify one of the things that uh that blows apart privilege under those circumstances is like it's one thing if Cohen was acting as the president's attorney like w- before he was president so um Donnie's attorney and he was telling Cohen about potentially illegal situations like there if he was informing his lawyer under you know a- a- as a uh, a representing attorney then the privilege would exist but the problem here seems to be that yeah cohen was part of the crimes that were allegedly being committed so yeah that that's what blows away the privilege so and th- that got me thinking like so in the godfather <laughs> vito corleone has tom hagan a lawyer as his consigliere as like his his ad, his main advisor, would th- I wonder if that was a similar scheme? If like that was the motivation behind that is like, oh, I'm gonna have all my crimes. All uh, my lawyer he's gonna he's gonna be one helping me. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's like I wonder if that was. Uh, sorry about the terrible Brando impression, everybody. <laughs> but like mm, it's so, it's so that bad. that makes me wonder if if like. The president saw The Godfather and thought, "I want that in my life." Like, and, and so, like he pulled Michael Cohen in as a uh, as a co-conspirator.
1: As conciliary. That's.
0: It's, yeah, exactly. He yeah, yeah. It's the president's Tom Hagen right there. But once you have called yourself a reputable, totally ethical lawyer. Completely unlike, unlike Michael Cohen, ask to see that lawyer immediately. If you can't pay for a lawyer, you have a right to uh, counsel of some kind. As we said, public defenders are going to be swamped, but you know somebody has to be provided. Under uh, what is it? The fifth or the sixth amendment? Uh, we'll get to that.
1: Uh that's say sixth. Uh, sixth sixth that
0: was the sixth amendment yeah, last clause like, of the sixth amendment so yeah. in an episode or two you you will hear more about that right, right. but you have it, but it,
1: you have le- full legal rights you have the right to legal counsel yeah.
0: um, yep so and they they will help you determine whether your fourth amendment rights have been legitimately uh infringed upon right. and, you know, that's... Who knows?
1: It could end up in the Supreme Court. You know, if you lose the case, hey, then yeah, you, you, you know. lose the case. You appeal. And, you know, they turn it down. The Circuit Court turns it down, and then all of a sudden, you're at the Supreme Court, and they decide, yeah, exactly. "Hey, we want to hear this case." And then maybe then they'll find out that uh, your Fourth Amendment rights were in fact violated. Hell yeah! So yeah, be smart when you talk to the cops. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, yeah if I could sum this be- up in a in a nutshell, I'd say be respectful to the cops and then don't say anything without your lawyer
0: yeah treat every encounter with the police when you are being put under scrutiny as a potentially dangerous situation that's gonna give you an extra respect for this for the for the interaction that's gonna like really keep in mind that you're talking to someone who does under the worst possible circumstances has the authority to end your existence. It's, it's something that it's hard to like conceptualize and to accept and to think about, but like if things go bad enough, that's on the table. And very true. Uh, yeah. Does they have the
1: right to defend themselves too? Like, if, yeah. If you're being violent, don't expect anything other than violence against you. But, yeah. But if you're and, not being violent, got your hands in the air, if they shoot you, that's I hope they are brought to justice.
0: Yeah, not not bloody likely these days, but uh it's a shame. If I yeah, but but if I yeah, but if I had to just sum this up on my end, it would be that violations of your constitutional rights are far more easily dealt with after the fact so if you're having a potentially uh, a, a potentially um what's the word i'm looking for if you're in a situation where your rights are being potentially violated get through it quietly respectfully don't say a word without a lawyer present and then after the fact you'll be in a much better position to find justice when your rights are uh, are tramp are potentially trampled upon, right? And um, well, here's
1: to the Fourth Amendment.
0: Here is to the Fourth Amendment. There are many side topics that we will be getting into in future episodes, I'm sure. Um, well, JT, I just want to wrap this up by reading. There is a. A blurb at the end you know of the of the aclu's document and i'd just like to to read that real quick do share uh, we all yes so the ending of this document says we all recognize the need for effective law enforcement but we should also understand our own rights and responsibilities especially in our relationship with the police Everybody, including minors, has the right to courteous and respectful police treatment. And uh, I'll add editorially that more often than not, and for some people it's more of an uphill situation, but you, you will get back what you put in. So courteousness and respect, it's sometimes hard to give to police if you're under certain circumstances, but it's, it's something that, that might save your life.
1: It could.
0: And back to the ACLU's words If your rights are violated Do not try to deal with the situation at the scene You can discuss the matter with an attorney afterwards Or And I say and or File a complaint with the Internal Affairs Division Or a civilian complaint board And That's what the American Civil, Libert- Civil Liberties Union Has to say About that About that I think I hear some music Oh, geez. Yeah, it came it in right again. on cue. Yep. <laughs> no, it never, it never stops. That, that is our cue to, to end the episode and to move over to the moment of clarity.
1: Okay, folks, if you have any questions, gripes, concerns, just minor comments, love letters, hate mail, send it to cocktailpartycongress at gmail.com. And who knows, we might even read your email on the next episode.
0: Absolutely, we have a we have a fondness for doing that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we love it when you write in. It's usually it's it's usually come a, a compliment. But hey, if you have complaints, send them us. Send them to us too. We need we need yeah. some heat.
1: <laughs> and our intro music once again was brought to us by Kevin McCloud at Incomputech.com. If you want more royalty free music, please visit his website. And uh, thanks, Kevin. You've been
0: great to us. Yeah, Kevin, you are been absolutely great. You do a great job with all of your arrangements. And uh, just to clarify one more time, that track is called Dark sea Land. And uh, hey, JT, yeah. I would just like to say that uh, anybody who is on the Facebook, even after... Uh ooh we didn't even get into surveillance capitalism oh, under man. The fourth amendment. That's another but episode. <laughs> that, that's going to be another episode uh, for sure but yeah. if you are on Facebook we do have a Facebook page now. It's going to be uh it's going to be where like a lot of our listeners I think are friends of ours and they're going to see a lot from our yeah. personal feeds but we do want to have one place for Cocktail Party Congress announcements for uh future featured cocktails yeah. for any discussions you want to join tell so tell your friends. Please. Yeah, feel free to go uh, to Facebook and like the Cocktail Party Congress there. We are on the Facebook Uh, machine now. Absolutely. And as always, uh, find us on iTunes or Google Play and subscribe there. Don't miss a second. In vino veritas, Dan. And, yeah, in vino veritas, JT. Enjoy the moment of clarity, everyone.
1: Listeners. I wish to speak to you about a certain quality in our elected leadership that seems to have diminished under the spotlight in the past few years and decades. That quality is what I call respect for the office. It could very well be that this quality exists in many of our elected officials and is simply ignored in favor of the more bombastic and controversial news headlines, or it could be going the way of the dodo, so to speak but it remains an incredibly important quality that is far more deserving of our attention. What exactly does that mean, the respect for the office? I would put it down to mean a faithful execution of the duties and responsibilities of said position where the official acts within their legal bounds to perform the job that they were elected to do, all while upholding the dignity and decorum of the office. Elected officials have an interesting position within our American Republic in that they are vox populi manifested. They represent all of the people in their respective districts, regardless of whether or not those peoples voted for them. They represent 100% of the district, not just the 51% that happened to vote for them. In addition, our officials are a representation of the values of the populace. They are how we project our values, and ourselves into a larger political stage. For every official that is elected by the people, a clear message is sent out to the rest of the constituency as to what the voters value, for better or worse. The implication of these messages can have an impact on many communities, be they local, county, state, national, or international communities. Our officials are elected to be our voices in the grander scheme of things. And those that are elected must understand this when they perform their duties. They must act appropriately as responsible leaders put in a position by the people for the people. Their responsibility is to serve all, not the few. With a respect for the office comes the respect for the power granted to them in their position as Vox Populi manifested. They must understand that their power is rightfully limited and should act in accordance with the law and the rightful intent of the law. To act outside of these boundaries could have severe consequences. Some may say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and this is no exception. Sometimes the boundaries are pushed to make way for reform or repeal, but when the radical becomes commonplace, when the exception becomes the rule, then the illegal becomes the legal for these officials. Sometimes the changes we wish to see in our government require legally hazy methods to accomplish, but when those methods are utilized, case law is set in stone, and other less desirable changes could be instituted using the very same methods. This is why we need to elect people that have that respect for the office. We need to have the level-headed, responsible leader with unwavering integrity to be our voice because those that we elect are not just representing a constituency but entire communities, entire nations, and even the world. They are reflections of us, our values, and our principles. As citizens, we must find the right leaders to represent us in the larger community as a whole. should be wary of those that seek only power. As Frank Herbert once wrote, all governments suffer a recurring problem. Power attracts pathological personalities. It is not that power corrupts, but that it is magnetic to the corruptible. Such people have a tendency to become drunk on violence, a condition to which they are quickly addicted. With this in mind, I can most certainly say that a respect for the office is a respect for the people that placed the office into the hands of a leader, and it is now the responsibility of that leader to be a faithful executor of the voice of the people. The Republic still stands.